Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined to go over the latest news, and apparently there is a little bit of that, by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Hey, Chris. <laughs> hey, it's uh, Thursday, May 16th. What kind of big news could we be talking about here in the middle of the offseason after free agency and the draft has already happened and OTAs haven't started yet? Big goings on, Chris. If you didn't know, Peter King released his power rankings a couple of days ago, so we've been talking uh, about that. PFF revealed some data that showed that both Leonard Williams and Quinn and Williams were elite pressure players last year. That's a big deal that everybody's talking about. Oh, and there's this whole thing with Adam Gase successfully attempting a coup and usurping Mike McCagnan and Brian Hemmerdinger to take over full control of the Jets organization. So a little bit of that going on, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, I think that qualifies as big news. Okay. That, now, now this whole podcasting thing makes a lot more sense. I get it. Yeah, you know, one of those things I felt like we should probably talk about a little <laughs> probably, bit. Probably, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get right into this whole thing, and we will start with the owner, Christopher Johnson, and his explanation for what happened. I got to tell you, Chris, my head still hurts from trying to figure out what he was trying to say. It's baffling, really. And, you know, I wrote about this in an article I wrote yesterday. The move, the timing of it was, is obviously a bad look and everything. But, like, these conference calls, press conferences, this is what you should expect. Anytime there's a press conference, conference call, expect the person holding the, the press conference, conference call to, be, to lie to you. In some capacity, expect them to lie to you. That's what they do. And, honestly, it's what they should do most of the time. But... To expect us to buy the lies that he fed us yesterday is absurd. To sit here and say that you needed to do a deep dive and really look into this, and he he didn't have all the information to to make a decision to fire McCagnan when he when Bowles was fired, and he had to really hang around and do a deep dive and see how he worked with everybody. You couldn't have done that last year. Why? 
while Bowles was still here, while the season was going on. You couldn't have observed all of that then. If none of this makes any sense, it's a terrible excuse that he's trying to do. All, everything that he said is is just baffling. And then to sit here and say that it has nothing to do with Adam, there was no power play, this and that. And come on, man. Every single thing that transpired tracks with all the rumors we've been hearing, been talking about for the past month. Every single thing tracks there. For them to sit here and now just be, oh, I had nothing to do with this. It's just coincidence that the rumors started popping up right as I decided to really take a deep dive into this and look at it. And I just didn't like what I saw. And he sat there and he talked about, you know, how he he did think that, you know, their give and take should have been a little better, their regulation, all this stuff. No, man, this was a power play, and I get that you can't, you don't want to admit that. I totally understand that. But the, the reasons you gave aren't going to fool anybody. I can't imagine even the most diehard homers who will defend Jets, the Jets over anything will actually buy anything Christopher Johnson was selling yesterday. Anybody who knows me knows I love to use this expression, so I'm going to bring it out right now. If you buy what Christopher Johnson was selling yesterday, then I will introduce you to the Tooth Fairy. Yes. Absolutely ridiculous. We know what happened here. It's fairly obvious. The thing that changed was Adam Gase. We knew that this was going to be an issue. We just didn't think it was going to happen this quickly. And like I said, in one respect, you got to tip your cap to Adam Gase. But it is hilarious to me that Christopher Johnson is going to sit there and try to convince people that he just magically decided that he needed to take a deep dive and somehow came to the conclusion that Mike McCagnin was incompetent after allowing him to spend $100 million in free agency to run the draft to have a hand in hiring the new head coach, which turned out to be Gase, which is ironic in and of itself. This reminds me of the movie The Wedding Singer where Adam Sandler's character on the day of his wedding gets left at the altar by his fiance, and then she comes to him later on to try to explain why she did what she did, and she said she felt like he wasn't moving forward with his life, and he was stuck in the past, and he wasn't growing, and all this other stuff. And Sandler just looks at her and yells out angrily and frustrated, Things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! (laughs) And that's what this feels like. If you really felt like Mike McCagnin wasn't doing a good job as general manager, and you will get no arguments from Chris or I on that, I think it's fairly obvious that he didn't do a good job as a general manager. You should have fired him with Todd Bowles. The idea that magically a couple months later, after he actually made some really good moves in the offseason, you come to this conclusion, that doesn't wash with anybody that's actually thinking critically about this. What happened here clearly is that Gase got in his ear, and then when he was more around the facility, Gase got more into his ear and was like, see, look, I can't deal with this guy. And the reports that came out indicate this. You're hearing stories about how there was frustration with Mac being indecisive. There was frustration with Mac not going after certain C-level talents, basically. There was a report that Gase was all upset because Mac didn't get Darren Fells, which is hilarious to me because he's a 33-year-old blocking tight end who wasn't even that good of a blocker for the Browns last year. Then you're hearing stories about how Gase was all upset about how they spent all this money on Le'Veon Bell and on C.J. Mosley, which again, let's bring up this point. 
The only reason that a coach would be upset about that is if he wanted control of the 53-man roster because no coach is going to be upset about how the money gets spent. They just want good players, and they leave it to the general manager to figure out how to allocate the contracts. That's not within the purview of the coach. The coach is to worry about the on-field product and to worry about lobbying for the players that he feels he needs. So if Adam Gase didn't want certain guys because he didn't want to spend the money, that tells you all you need to know about the dishonesty that he showed when he said, oh, I don't care about the 53-man roster. I don't need control of that, which we all knew because we knew Gase's history. Then you hear the stories about how he wanted Matt Paradis and Mac was hesitant to pay him because of the fact that he had the leg injury. The hesitancy about trading Darren Lee, which Adam Gase took care of real fast as soon as he was in charge. So we'll unpack all of this. But Chris, tell me a little bit about what you've heard about the issues that popped up with Mike McCagnin, if Todd Bowles was having the same issues with Mike McCagnin, and the fact that Gase was saying that he had no interest in controlling the 53-man roster, but then, of course, makes this move, trading Darren Lee to Kansas City for a sixth-round pick almost immediately after taking charge, and the stories you heard about how he was upset about McCagnin paying too much money, allegedly, for Le'Veon Bell and C.J. Mosley, something that no coach who didn't care about the control of the 53-man roster would concern himself with. Yeah, I'll start right there with the, the money thing, because no coach, the problem coaches always have with GMs is that they don't spend enough money. They don't care about the money. Go spend the money and bring me back talent. They're not a coach unless they have a specific designs to have control of the roster. The coach is never once concerned about the salary cap ramifications. Uh, the, the being concerned about salary cap is a long term roster construction move that a coach is not thinking about that unless he wants something to do with uh, the, the actual control over the roster. That's just the way it works. It's always the way it works. I'm not going to sit there and say that coaches are, are never like, wow, we gave him how much? Of course, everybody feels that. But the coach doesn't – if that, that player is talented, the, the coach wants them. The coach doesn't care about the money going into it. Now let's go – so starting with when Bowles was here. From what I've been told, Bowles and McCagnan didn't really have much of a relationship. Uh, you know, they put on a united front. They, they seemed – they always – be there together to do press conferences. They seemed all right, but it wasn't much of a relationship. Bowles had a lot of problems and concerns and, uh, you know, disagreements. They didn't really get along on those types of levels, but Bowles kind of just swallowed it and ate it for a while. Then towards the end, he started to do some of this, and there was, you know, some back and forth of, uh, in the media with uh, them both sides using the media to get their viewpoint and their narrative they wanted pushed out there. He started to do some of that at the end, but it was too little too late at that point. But this is where Christopher Johnson's, uh, his reasoning and his excuse really falls apart. Because from what I've been told, the way that this transpired is a much better explanation than what he gave. Because from, he hired uh adam gase he's thinking okay they're going to be they're going to be able to get along they're going to work we're going to win some games this and that problems started happening almost immediately Uh, the disagreements about 
who they should go after, how they should spend the money in free agency. And I'm talking about like senior bowl time. This is starting to pop up. So free agency hasn't even started. Then free agency starts and it becomes apparent that there's going to be more issues. By the time Christopher Johnson sat here and realized this is an untenable situation, these two aren't going to get along. This is going, if we keep McCagnan around, it's just going to be a whole off season of, we saw, again, we saw how McCagnan used the media last year to throw Bulls under the bus and Bulls did the same thing in, in ways with, with McCagnan. And it would have just been an entire season of that back and forth and weighing on the club. And more of this, we're hearing, you know, these reports now that Gates didn't want uh, Le'Veon Bell. Well, if he held on to him, that probably would have lasted longer and it wouldn't have come out until like some point during the season. And uh, so all this stuff, he realized it was an untenable situation. But by that point, it was too late in the process to just clean house and bring in new GMs and get everybody in time to handle free agency where they know they needed to spend a lot of money to, to handle the draft where obviously you have to do years worth of preparation for it. And it was too late at that point. So he said, he's going to have to wait until after all this stuff is done. But he recognized that it was a mistake that he should have fired McCagnan when he fired Bowles, but he at least, uh, corrected that mistake at that point and said, all right, now I need to make the move now. I can't drag this out. I can't let this go. It's going to empower Gase, obviously, and he seems to be all right with that. But it was just an untenable situation, a big mess that he couldn't have and he couldn't keep them both around to just play out the season like this. Now, it's, you know, it's, this is a mess right now. It's a bad look. It's a terrible look. Everybody's laughing at the Jets. But in the end, it's not going to matter. All that's going to matter is the wins or losses. But there's obviously disputes between the Le'Veon Bell signing. I've been saying all along that Adam Gase just didn't want Le'Veon Bell. The The money reason is like an added bonus, an added reason why he didn't want him. But again, the coaches don't typically get caught up in this. Now, he, uh, he wanted Paradis. From what I've been told, but uh, McCagnan didn't. There were some other moves, Darren Fells' move. Uh, he wasn't happy with uh, the C.J. Mosley signing and all that money. Um, so there's a bunch of little stuff like that. He also wanted to, from what I understand, he really wanted to trade down, acquire more picks, and address the offense more. So th there was just a whole bunch of that, and it, it was clear that what Todd Bowles just ate and just went about his business and just said, all right, well, you're going to give me what you're going to give me, and I'm going to have to work with it. Adam Gase was not going to do that. That is not Adam Gase's personality. We know this. As again, he talked in Miami, oh, I didn't want the control of the 53-man roster. They just gave it to me. Well, <laughs> great. If, if, if you didn't want it and they just gave it to you, why didn't you say, hey, I don't want this. Go get somebody else for this. Even if you're like, hey, get somebody I trust and I, I want to run this, fine. But you accepted it. You ran with it. That means you wanted it, guy. Don't tell us that you didn't want it. Everything's pointing to you wanting it. This is you. This is your character. This is exactly who it is. And I proved this savagery. Just own it, man. Just own it. And it's cool. I swear. I promise. It, but there's. it was obviously just... 
he isn't shy about saying what he's going to say. And he isn't afraid to throw people under the bus. He isn't afraid to make a mess. And Christopher Johnson recognized this. It was a huge mistake not to fire McCagnan before when he fired Bowles. But at least he recognized it and didn't draw it out any longer. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I didn't want this million dollars. It just showed up. What do you want me to yeah. do? Yeah. <laughs> Again, if you believe Adam Gase on that, I will introduce you to the Tooth Fairy. And going back to the whole thing with Christopher Johnson and hiring Gase and thinking that him and Matt could work together, I must channel Adam Sandler again and say things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday. How did you not figure this out before you hired Adam Gase? How were these not discussions that were had? This shows an incredible level of incompetence as an owner. Now, like you said, Chris, it's good that he moved on from McCagnin because A, McCagnin had done a poor job, and B, if he recognized it was an untenable situation, better to do it now. But at the same time, how do you make a decision like that and not even ask these questions, not even investigate what Gase wants to do versus what Mac wants to do? How is an owner that incompetent? Yeah, the the worst look in all of this to me is the fact that he had to wait until now to come up with these conclusions, to come to these conclusions about Mac. I've been saying it for years. We've all been saying it. Everyone's been saying it. The majority of the fan base hasn't been happy with Mac, and I'm never one to say listen to the fan base. But this was obvious. This was obvious to everybody, and it just seems like he just didn't even bother to look into this until now. And, you know, he brushed off everything that was coming from Bowles and Bowles' complaints. And now that Adam Gase is here, he was willing to listen to it. And maybe that's just like, oh, well, there's a second guy telling me that now this and that now this must be true. But if he would have just spent this time and really looked into it beforehand, he would have seen all this before. He would, This isn't new situation. We talk about you know, the indecisiveness that people have been talking about. And I've heard that too. How many times have we heard reports and seen, oh, the Jets almost drafted Alvin Kamara. They almost made this move. They almost made that move. We've been mocking that for years now. This isn't, this shouldn't be news to Christopher Johnson. It's not news to the fan base. It can't be news to the owner too. How you can't have actually looked into this beforehand if that's the case this stuff isn't stuff that just popped up with adam gase coming here it's just that adam gase is now here and he's willing to call it out and throw him under the bus and make a big giant mess of it and that's where what forced christopher johnson to react with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I wanted to ask you about what Mike Lombardi said on his podcast yesterday after the news broke, which is that Mike McCagnan was very disconnected, not only from Todd Bowles, but from pretty much everybody else in the organization, with the exception of Brian Hemmerdinger, who he more or less leaned on to do all of the heavy lifting. From what Lombardi was saying, it was McCagnan who was scouting the college guys, and he yep. leaned on Brian Hemmerdinger to do pretty much everything else. Is that more or less your understanding of this? From what I've been told, everybody, and this was multiple people told me this and consistently told me this, they were just like, yeah, McCagnan just basically sits in the room and watches tape. Like, that's mostly what he does. Um, he would lean on uh, Hyman. De- and, like, listen, that's uh, that's fine, too, to sometimes delegate that and be like, you know, I'm going to focus on this, and then somebody you trust, you handle, like, like you handle the pro scouting or whatever. But it seemed like... Uh, he leaned on Heimendinger a little too much, but the bigger problem was that he kind of alienated himself from everybody in the building by just locking himself in and just watching tape and downing 7,000 cups of coffee a day. Uh, I have to uh, get these coffee jokes in there now, even though I was a particularly (laughs) bad one. Um, But, you know, we're not going to have a lot of coffee jokes to make left, so got to get them in no matter how bad they are. But he sat there, and just kind of locked himself in the room and just watched tape. And it left a lot of people, everyone in the organization not knowing where they stand, not knowing, you know, what the goal is, the clear direction of the goal, uh, everything is here. It, it just it, it disconnected is a good word. And um, Dinger was definitely running a lot of stuff and in charge of a lot of stuff there, or at least setting up the groundwork. Now, it's not like uh, Dinger had full authority uh, uh, full autonomy to do whatever he wanted. He had to go and he had to, uh, you know, uh, sell McCagnan on it and convince McCagnan it was the right move and why it was the right move. But from what I've been told consistently, is McCagnan really just kind of locked himself in and just watched tape and it kind of alienated uh, people in the building. But again, th- this is a problem that has existed throughout his tenure here. This isn't new. This is a, that that can't be the reason why he was fired because that existed before Adam Gase was hired. Now Adam Gase came in and he made the mess and stink about it, and then that's when either Chris Johnson, Christopher Johnson said, "All right, I got to move on," or the worst case scenario is that's when Christopher Johnson became aware of these problems. If that's the case, then that's a huge, huge problem. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. How does a guy last as a GM that long when A, he's doing such a small part of the job, and B, he's so disconnected from everybody else? Essentially, what it sounds like is he was an area scout his entire career, and that's more or less what he ended up being with the Jets. He was a director of college scouting at most, an area scout at worst. 
I don't understand how a guy survives as the general manager for that long. And let's throw a little shade at Charlie Casserly here, who's the one that recommended Mike McCagnin for the job. He's got to take it on the chin for this because McCagnin is a guy who clearly never evolved from his director of college scouting post and must have thought that he could do the same job here and just let everybody else handle different things as opposed to what he was supposed to be doing, which is running the entire show. It almost seems like he's the general manager version of Adam Gase in a sense because Gase seems to think it's his job only to command the offense and McCagnin thought that it was only his job to scout college players. Yeah, and, you know, maybe that's just what he felt more most comfortable with. And, again, a, a good general manager has to be able to delegate and has to be able to uh, delegate to people he trusts. And then, you know, if you can trust somebody to do something better than you and then to report back to you and then you can work together to come to agreements and disagreements and this and that, then that's great. That's fine. That's wonderful. But it's still... Now, Christopher Johnson talked about this yesterday, and it's funny that he talked about it because uh, when Woody fired Idzik, he talked about how he needed somebody who was more of a scout. And now Christopher Johnson is saying, hey, there's more to being a general manager than just scouting, <laughs> and, um, which is typical Jets, you know, the typical Jets here. You, you go from one end of the spectrum to the other, uh, the complete opposite end of the spectrum. You can't. How about you try to find a middle ground here? Because, yes, you did need somebody who had more scouting knowledge than Idzik did. And, yes, you, uh, there is obviously more to being a general manager than just scouting. It's the same type of thing we talk about with Gase and with head coaches. With a head coach, it's not just X's and O's. You need to be able to manage players. You need to be able to manage the roster you need to be able to deal with the personalities. You need to be able to deal with the media. You need to be able to do all these other things. Sometimes coordinators, great coordinators, are only going to be great coordinators. Sometimes a great scout is only ever going to be a great scout. It's the same type of thing. So if you want to give that great scout somebody who is exceptional, just hypothetical, somebody's exceptional scout does his hit rate is way better than everybody else, but he doesn't have, you know, people skills and he doesn't have this. He can't, he's not a negotiating type of person. Like, like I am not a negotiator. I would be so terrible at negotiating. I'm just like, tell me what you want. And then I, and I'm either good with it or I'm not, I'm not having back and forth. I, I, that makes my head spin and hurt and I want nothing to do with it. Um, some people just aren't built for stuff like that. So, Hey, you get that this hypothetical scout, just keep bumping him up, giving him raises and giving him new titles and whatever, but don't expect him to now take on a whole bunch of responsibilities that he's not capable of here. That's really what it comes down to. They need to find somebody that's either in the middle or some combination of people that they can lean on and rely on and say, okay, you run the scouting part, you run the negotiating, like they need to find something, something solid, somebody. And this is the thing. I had somebody um, respond to me on Twitter yesterday after the article I wrote. It's like, how is this not going to be this new marriage, whoever they bring in as GM? How is this not going to be an arranged marriage as well? Because Gase is having a hand in this. Gase is going to be choosing who is coming in. It's going to be somebody Gase wants to work with and presumably somebody that wants to work for Gase. So that's way different than having it forced on you. And but so that's a good start. And again, 
Getting rid of McCagnan is a good thing for this organization. The timing is a bad luck look, but ultimately I think this is a good thing for the organization in the end. The problem remains, and you can go back and you can listen to our podcast before Adam Gase were hired, the podcast we recorded. We've been talking about these issues with Adam Gase since he became a candidate for the job. Fans still want to fight it, and they still want to argue about it, but we've all been talking about it since then. Go look at, at Dolphins people talking about it. They're laughing because this is exactly what transpired in Miami. It just in Miami, it was after he made the playoffs that he he was able to really acquire this type of talent, this type of power, and now he's acquiring this type of uh, power before training camp even starts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> Travis Wingfield will come on the podcast and we'll rehash all of this. But yes, this is essentially a carbon copy of what went down in Miami. And we were trying to talk about that. But like you said, Chris, nobody wants to listen to it. The problem with Gase is, yes, he'll be on the same page with the next general manager. And we'll talk about this a little bit later. But Gase will be running the show. Let's make no mistake about that. Whoever comes in here, Gase is going to be the most important person in the building. I want to get back a little bit to what you're talking about with delegating. Because, yes, obviously, the best leaders are effective delegators. The CEOs, the best CEOs are the ones that are able to surround themselves with great staff. They know who to trust. And while they carry out the big picture stuff, everybody else is carrying out the details. And that's what the great coaches and the great general managers who are the CEO types do. Bill Parcells was famous for that. John Harbaugh is somebody that's known as an effective CEO as a coach. So I'm all for guys that are effective delegators, but it sounds more like McCagnan, instead of delegating, had willful disinterest and pawned a lot of this stuff off on other people and trusted them to do it and apparently trusted the wrong people. I think there's a lot of that with Gase as far as anything other than the offense. He just doesn't want to have anything to do with. So better hope that Greg Williams does a good job with the defense this year. I want to talk a little bit about Darren Lee now because, Chris, there's no other way to say this, but this felt like Adam Gase kind of peeing on Mike McCagnin on his way out the door. It was kind of like, yeah, I won this power play. And by the way, you know that move that I've been trying to nudge you to make for months that you were holding on because you thought you could get a better deal? Well, guess what? It's done now, buddy. How you like them apples? Yeah, absolutely. He he gets tagged, the interim GM. McCagnin gets fired. They announced. Uh, Adam Gase, the interim GM, and hours later, Darren Lee is out of here. Like that is absolutely a direct shot at McCagnin on his way out. That is absolutely something that they have been arguing about and debating about for you know. That's one of the points of contention is he just wanted him out of here. Greg Williams wanted him out of here, and McCagnin. You know, one thing I have given McCagnin credit for is. He has admitted his mistakes as well, and he, you know, he cut Darius Stewart and Chad Hansen really quick, uh, just a year after drafting them. He's not afraid to make those mistakes, but this was a first round pick, so the only first round pick he had outside of the top six. So he at least wanted to try to get something more of value back. 
Patton Gaze said, get out of here, and we're taking a sixth-round pick for it. What are you going to do about that? How you like that? And that's, it's indisputable that that's what happened. We're not talking about waiting a couple of weeks and then the trade popped up. This was something that the Chiefs and Jets have been talking for a while. McCagney was trying to get hold out to get a fifth for it. And then, again, two seconds after he's named interim GM, he goes ahead and trades him. And don't tell me that he doesn't want control of the roster. He could have waited until they hired the GM and a VP of player personnel. It's not like the Chiefs were going to be like, oh, no, if we don't get him now, we're not interested. I mean, they could have done that. But he waited the second that McCagney got out the door, he got rid of him, and that's just a, a, a little bit extra of a kick in the ass on the way out. And, yeah, this is exactly what Gase does. Gase can't resist the urge to do stuff like that, to tweak things like that, and to just make a mess. Chris, let's get back to the guy who is at the center of the original controversy here, and that's Le'Veon Bell. Now, you and I talked about this on the podcast, and you reported it here with me a couple of months ago, that Adam Gase did not want Le'Veon Bell, and they're going to float the whole salary cap thing out there to save face, but the real reason is because he didn't want somebody with that personality in here, somebody that's quote-unquote bigger than the team. Gase wants these guys that are the lunch pail guys. They show up, they go to work, they don't make any noise in the press. That's his type of guy. I don't understand the idea that Le'Veon Bell is a problem child, but that's a whole other discussion for a whole other day. But that's not somebody that Adam Gase wanted. And you said that your sources were telling you that if the Jets signed Le'Veon Bell, it was going to be because Mac basically told Gase to stand down, which apparently is exactly what happened. Now, Le'Veon Bell obviously is a human being, and he's heard all of this stuff, because unless you live in a cave, how could you avoid it? He came out on Twitter and made this statement, so I'm going to read it verbatim. There's been a bunch of false reports and speculation about me in the past about things I've said and done, so I'm used to this. I don't jump to conclusions when I hear or see a story that may affect me. However, even if reports are true, that won't stop me from doing what I came here to do. Everyone has a job to do, and I'm going to do mine whether people like me or not. I'm here to win football games. I don't think he could have said it any better or any clearer. What he's saying there is, look, yeah, there's people talking. I don't know if it's true or if it isn't. Even if it is true, I'm going to prove that anybody that doubted that signing me was the right thing to do is wrong, and I'm going to help this team win games, and I'm going to be a star for this team. I don't see how that's any kind of issue. Of course, all these Steeler fans and there are people in the national media that are trying to make this out to be something bad because Bell spoke about it publicly. You have to be kidding me if you don't think that he was going to be swarmed by reporters the second that he showed up for OTAs and be asked about this nonstop. Now he can just say, look, you have my statement. I said what I said on Twitter, and that's the end of it. Two quick tweets, nothing more to this. So I think Bell handled this perfectly, and I think as far as Gase, it's a clear indicator that he has the same exact attitude that he had in Miami and that he hasn't changed or learned a thing. And Mike Lombardi talked about this on his podcast. He said, how could Mike McCagney go out and get Le'Veon Bell when you know that Adam Gase is all about culture and he wanted Tevin Coleman? This, to me, smacks of... A, that whole culture nonsense that's ridiculous. Win football games. Le'Veon Bell isn't Antonio Brown, and I'm kind of annoyed that people keep pretending like he is. 
He held out because he wanted long-term security. Now, you could criticize whether or not he got the best deal or whether he made the right decision. But doing that is nothing along the lines of what somebody like Antonio Brown has done. And people that are comparing the two, I just don't understand it. Le'Veon Bell's never been a problem for coaches. Le'Veon Bell's never been a problem in the locker room. So I don't know what this whole culture thing is. But this also smacks of Adam Gase always having to be the smartest guy in the room because his idea that I could get Tevin Coleman for much cheaper than Le'Veon Bell and I could make him into a star and I could get almost the same production as Le'Veon Bell is ridiculous. Go talk to Joe Blewett who did an extensive film review of the running backs that were free agents including Le'Veon Bell and including Tevin Coleman and Mark Ingram and ask him what he thinks about the difference between Le'Veon Bell and Tevin Coleman. There is a major Major difference between yep. the two. Tevin Coleman is a pretty solid receiving back. He's not a guy that's going to run between the tackles. Even so, he's not even close to as good of a receiving back as Le'Veon Bell anyway. So the fact that Adam Gase preferred Tevin Coleman tells you three things. Number one, he's hung up on this ridiculous culture thing. Number two, he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room and always has to try and prove it by getting Tevin Coleman and saying, see, I got almost the same thing out of him that I could have gotten out of Le'Veon Bell for much more money, which isn't true. And the third thing is that he was clearly lying about wanting to control the 53-man roster because the salary cap should have been absolutely none of his concern here. And the only reason it would have been is if he wanted control of the roster. Yeah, uh, there's a reason why you could get Tevin Coleman so much cheaper than Le'Veon Bell. He's not nearly as good as Le'Veon Bell. Mm -hmm. It's, It's really that simple there. And now this is a, again where at this weird uh, juncture, this weird uh, point because normally I am full fully do not pay the running back. I am almost always in that boat there, but there's exceptions to every rule. This was an exception with the lack of talent this team had, the amount of money they had to spend. Such a young quarterback going into his second year who needs an outlet, that safety valve that he can trust. Because again, Le'Veon Bell was not just the best running back available this year. He's the best receiver available in free agency. Not only that, he is one of the best, if not the best, blocker, a pass protector as a running back. Tevin Campbell isn't going to sit there and be able to take on those blitz pressures you can sign tevin campbell for less money but then you're gonna have to sign other co- uh, other running backs to do other jobs Le'Veon bell can do every job that you expect out of a running back he can be the goal line guy he can get, be the short yardage guy he can be your big play guy he can be your receiver and your pass protector there is no role of a running back that Le'Veon bell can't Phil. And he's elite at yes. every single role that you just described. Absolutely. And now let's, I'm going to jump around a little bit here, but that his tweets uh, that he put out yesterday, perfect, absolutely perfect. He couldn't have scripted that better if I if I wrote it myself for him. He that that was absolutely perfect. I, listen, I hear this. I understand this. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. This is the NFL. All types of nonsense get spread around. I'm not going to waste my time worrying about it. I'm going to come in and I'm going to do my job. And now this is another problem. And this is a thing with Gase is you have 
different the, the way of the world we live in reality here nfl is its own little bubble a lot of times they don't really live in reality they live in their own separate reality and this is a problem i have with so many people throughout the nfl is they want people to do things one way and one way only and they don't they refuse to acknowledge that Different people work that are under di- and with different situations in different ways. There's different personalities. Some people do better in structure. Some people there's some people that'll sit there and that they need to show up for all these voluntary camps. They need to be here for that type of stuff. Some people work better outside of structure on their own schedule. Le'Veon Bell has done this his entire career, and he has continually come and shown out and proved during the season and made all pros after doing this. This is new with Le'Veon Bell. This is what he does. The character concerns we talked about, the only real character concerns you can point to from everything I've known and heard about Le'Veon Bell or the uh, you know the marijuana arrest and uh, that type of stuff he's which I could care less about uh, anybody with marijuana but he is you know close to another failed test or something he could face a suspension but that's not what anybody is ever talking about or pointing to when they talk about the character concerns. They talk to him not being at voluntary OTAs, which, again, the players specifically made put into the CBA for this exact reason. You can't sit there and put that in for this exact reason and then slam the players for taking that reason. Again, the... the OTAs, this stuff is really more for fringe players anyway. They get more out of it than the the veterans do. So that's not a big deal. That's not a big concern. And then what? You got, uh, so he in the offseason, he likes to make a rap album. That like uh, These character concerns with him are nuts. He, he does beat uh, March to a beat of his own drum. He did the whole holdout thing. But that was something he felt he needed to do for himself and for his family to take care of them long term. And I will never knock somebody doing what they think is best for them and their family. I'm never going to do this. We talk about this all the time. Football, NFL is a business. Fans use that excuse right now. Darren Lee, hey, sorry, Darren Lee, this is a business. This is what happens when they want to use it against the player, then all of a sudden it's about loyalty to the team and this and that. No, everybody is in this business for themselves. When Le'Veon Bell is on that field, we see what he does. We know how hard he works. He is going to put in the work, and he is going to be really, really good for this team. He is somebody that Sam Darnold really needs. Just imagine the comfort level that Sam Darnold will have going into the first game of the season, knowing that Le'Veon Bell is there, and and to compare that to what he would feel if he's like, hey, I got Tevin Campbell and Elijah McGuire as my safety valves here. Yeah, I think Le'Veon Bell is going to have a bigger impact there. That's worth the money. And like we've said, uh, for him to really sit there and complain about the money part of it, is nuts because that's not what a coach does. The coach wants the talent, but this isn't a money issue with Le'Veon Bell as much as it's just he wants somebody who is going to buy in, who is not a big personality, and who he wants things to be done his way and 
just, you know, company men basically is what he wants. And Le'Veon Bell is not that. He does things his own way. But when it's time, he's going to show up. He's already signed the contract. That's the other thing. People act like, oh, what's he going to do now if he if he wants to? Uh, you, he can't. He's locked into the contract now. So he, the only option he has now is to show up to prove and work and, and do great and then hope for another contract in a few years from now. Yeah, and of course, that culture argument doesn't extend to C.J. Mosley, who fits to a T exactly the type of player that Adam Gase likes. He is the company man type, so we'll get back to him in a second because apparently Gase had a problem with that signing as well. But I want to talk a little bit about the culture thing, and Mike Lombardi was talking about this on his podcast. He said, how could you go out and sign Le'Veon Bell when you know that Adam Gase is all about the culture, and then he doesn't show up to voluntary OTAs. What do you think Adam Gase thinks about that? I don't care what Adam Gase thinks about that because it doesn't matter. We've gone through this over and over again, and Bart Scott went through this on WFAN, and if you haven't listened to the clip, you should. Whatever you think about Bart Scott as a sports talk radio host, when he talks about football, you should listen because he is absolutely one of the very best football analysts I've heard out there anywhere. He's an extremely intelligent guy too just like i know people don't some people don't think it because of his big mouth and how he likes to talk he is super smart dude absolutely and when it comes to football his intelligence is through the roof and what he was talking about was the contract that Le'Veon bell signed he said he knows how the jets structure these contracts so guaranteed Le'Veon bell had a bonus in there for showing up to voluntary workouts a bonus that he bypassed so he gave up the opportunity to get a couple of extra hundred thousand dollars and on top of that he's in miami right now paying people a couple of hundred thousand dollars to work him out privately so you're going to say that a guy that bypassed money and is spending on his own dime to work out at his home in florida to make sure that he can be his very best doesn't care about winning and doesn't care about the team that's absolutely ridiculous and on top of that as bart also said when he was an undrafted rookie in Baltimore, you know how many times he saw Chris McAllister, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Peter Bolwer, all the players of that caliber at the offseason conditioning that was voluntary? Zero times because guys at that level don't go to these things. Yes, there are exceptions. A few of these guys will be at everything. But for the most part, players like that, Gronkowski, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, who, by the way, said last year he didn't go because he planned a family vacation. It wasn't even that he was going to go work out on his own. He planned a family vacation, and he was well within his rights to do that. So for people that are all upset about this, or for anybody that's going to make this an issue, or for Adam Gase to be upset about this, to quote Bart Scott, kick rocks. There's really nothing else I can say about it. It's absolutely ridiculous. And it's also ridiculous that Gase was upset about the signing of C.J. Mosley. Joe Blute and I talked about this. C.J. Mosley is one of the three best inside linebackers in the sport. If you really think that allocating those resources by spending on, say, a mediocre receiver or a mediocre pass rusher over one of the best players at his position in his prime was the right move, then I question what you're talking about. It's one thing if it was like, okay, you could have D Ford, who's maybe a top 10 to 15 pass rusher, or you could have C.J. Mosley. That's a different discussion. But if we're talking about Zadarius Smith 
or C.J. Mosley or Golden Tate or C.J. Mosley. I'm taking C.J. Mosley. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm crazy, but that's what I would do. And again, this points to the fact that Adam Gase clearly wants to control over the 53-man roster because otherwise, why would the price tag even concern him? But now let's get to the part of this that concerns Jets fans going forward, which is where the Jets go from here. We've heard the rumors about Douglas coming out of Philadelphia. He's the VP of player personnel there. We've heard the rumors about Daniel Jeremiah, who, of course, was a scout for the Baltimore Ravens and work with Douglas in Baltimore. Everybody knows him from his podcast, Move the Sticks, and, of course, his work on NFL Network. So he's a visible guy, smart guy. I think he'd be a nice addition to the front office. But I will say, and a lot of people went off on me, for saying this on Twitter If I was Daniel Jeremiah I wouldn't want to come here Because he's got a really great setup At NFL Network The pressure level The workload It's nothing close to what he would have to do here He's getting paid really nicely He's got young kids He can have an actual life outside of football If he goes and takes that job His life becomes football 24-7 The amount of stress The amount of pressure he's under Goes through the roof And maybe he's somebody that just wants to prove himself. He was a successful scout that took part in building a championship roster in Baltimore. Maybe he wants to prove that he can do it on a higher level. If it was me, I would be content to go the Bill Cowher route and get paid really nice money to stay where I am and basically do a job that involved what I love with football but not have to have all the stress and all the workload. But we'll see. Maybe Jeremiah thinks differently. Chris, where do you see this going from here? Is it going to be Douglas and Jeremiah, do you think? Yeah, from everything I've been told, it it sounds like it's uh, they it's going to be some combination of the two of them. Uh, it's also they the Jets feel like that they will be able to get both of them, and it seems like you know they're going to have to go through uh, and comply with the Rooney Rule and everything like that. And everyone around the league, especially all the minority coaches and scouts around the league, are already sitting there rolling their eyes, expecting this to be another sham process. Of, of, of subverting the Rooney rule where you already have you, the guys in mind and you're just hiring guys just to fill that, that role. But, uh, that's, that's everything that I've heard is basically that. And, uh, you know, it, it makes sense for, for both of them on paper. They, they both would be a great upgrade, but here's the thing with GMs and all this stuff. You never know. There's no way to know until they get the job and to see how they perform. It's just impossible thing to see and know. But on paper, they are both, at least Joe Douglas, he comes from a forward-thinking organization who has done a lot of good stuff with analytics. They use the, the comp system really well. So there's a lot of things that he can bring over from there. Daniel Jeremiah is somebody that, you know, it, it's impossible not to like this guy. He's, he's really good. He's a really smart football guy. I understand completely what you're saying. And for, for you, it makes complete sense. For someone like me, it makes complete sense. But again, for a former staff, scout, somebody who's around there, it could be competitive. They could have this, you know, ego-driven thing and to, that he wants to challenge. He wants to embrace it. He wants to see if he can do this. And I get that too, because I would kind of want that as well. So, that makes total sense, and but from everything I'm hearing, those are the two guys that are at the top of the list, and they this part of the reason why they felt comfortable making this move now 
was that they feel like they can get him and they don't want to wait another year, you know, for the season to play out. Maybe another job opens up that these guys would be more interested in. You know, maybe they lose him somehow, some other way. So they want to pounce now. The only thing is, that, like I said, they're going to have to go through the Rooney Rule process. Other names to keep in mind, according to Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News, Lance Newmark, the Lions Director of Player Personnel, Adam Peters, the VP of Player Personnel for the 49ers, and Champ Kelly, who is the Bears Assistant Director of Player Personnel. I'd kind of like that just because I'd love to have somebody as a general manager named Champ and you guys asking him questions at press conferences. Hey, Champ. Hey, Champ. And by the way, for anybody that doesn't get that reference, go ahead and look up the public enemy from when they were in ECW. It was one of my favorite things that they used to do. But regardless, it's going to be a wild ride now as we wait to see who ends up as the general manager and who surrounds him in the front office. But either way, let's be real about this. doesn't matter whether it's Douglas Peters, Newmark Kelly, Daniel Jeremiah, or anybody else. Adam Gase is ultimately going to be calling the shots. And whether or not he technically has control of the 53-man roster, he's going to have control of the 53-man roster. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said yesterday, this is all on Adam Gates now. No matter what happens, he doesn't have the scapegoat of Mike McCagnan anymore. Uh, you know, he, he can still have it, I guess, technically for this year to be like, oh, this is the roster that was given to me and I inherited but from here on out, every move is going to be on him, no matter who they hire, no matter what people think that's going to be tied to Gase. And even if even if it realistically wasn't, let's just say that hypothetically he really he really did have no say in this. And, and Chris Johnson really did just wait until now to start looking into it. It's still they got rid of McCagnan because of this. And so from here on out, Everything that happens, even if they hire somebody else who makes decisions all on his own, it is still going to go back to Gase and getting rid of McCagnan. There's just no way around it. But this is what Gase wants. This is what he wanted in Miami. The fact that he got fired so quickly after that in Miami and didn't have the success there obviously hasn't swayed him away from wanting this more. And this is what it is now. It's just, But again... This is a cause for concern, absolutely. It was a, a concern for us when we were talking about it before they even hired Gase. It's even more of a concern now because they've empowered him, but it's not going to matter if they win games. The only time it's going to start to matter is if they lose games, and if they're losing games, then he's, his job is going to be in jeopardy anyway. So we'll just have to wait and see. But if, if he can do the job on the field, do the X's and O's and coach him up and turn this offense around and make this into a, a solid, good team, then none of this is going to matter. And, and he will be vindicated in, in his decision and his, having control, or he's going to lose and it's going to fall apart and implode and it's going to have to start all over again. We'll have plenty more to talk about as far as this story goes tomorrow as more details emerge and as Chris continues to hear from his sources. And we are going to answer your questions in a mega mailbag. So please, if you have questions, get them in. You can tweet them at me, at PlayLikeAJet1, or at Chris, at CNimbly, or at JetsInsider. I'm going to post links on Twitter for this later today as well. So get your questions in. I know you have plenty of them, and we will answer them for you on the podcast. Chris, thanks again for jumping on and discussing all the madness with me that's going on surrounding the New York Jets. For anybody that doesn't know how to interact with you or how to read your work, why don't you go ahead and let them know because you are, of course, a very big deal. 
Yes, of course. The very biggest of deals. Uh, the veriest of biggest deals. Yes, there we go. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at CNimbly, at Jets Insider. Do most of my tweeting from the CNimbly uh, handle. I have taken a Twitter break these last couple of weeks, but I'm, I was back in full force yesterday. I'll be back today as well. So if you have questions or want to know, shoot them for the mailbag, and I will be engaging with fans later on. Uh, also, you can find my work at JetsInsider.com. I got, a, you know, Alan put up an article as soon as the news was announced yesterday about McCagnan, and I went into details, a little bit of details of what I hear, heard, why I don't think this is as big of a mess as everybody thinks it is, and the real concern is the same concern that it has been, and that's with Adam Gase. So you can check that out on JetsInsider.com. Go ahead and check out JetsInsider.com. Follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.